This show is proudly sponsored by Coinspot.com.au, with the largest range of cryptocurrencies anywhere in the Australian market. With an updated verification process, you can now be verified using only your driver's license or passport within seconds. You can instantly deposit funds and instantly start buying and selling your favorite cryptocurrencies in under five minutes. Coinspot are giving away $10 worth of free Bitcoin for each verified user once they make their first deposit. Just go to coinspot.com.au forward slash BTC123. The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Today's guest is someone I've been looking forward to speaking to for quite some time now. This gentleman has a very large background in uh, corporate, moving out onto his own projects. And the project that I want to talk to you about is called UCOT. And it's very, very interesting. It's a provenance play. And we'll go into more detail shortly. It's John Baird, the CEO of UCOT. And thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. All right. So as we always do, let's start with the start. Tell us a little bit about what brought you here, what your background is, so we can sort of mould out what your level of experience is and why you've actually decided to put your time, energy and hard-earned dollars into UCOT. Yeah, so after about 20 years in financial services, I got uh, a little bit fed up with working for large corporates and decided to step out and do my own thing. I uh, moved into cybersecurity and then about a year and a half ago was asked by uh, Victor to come in and help him start up this business, get it going, put some legs on it. And uh, it's been a, a fun ride ever since. And prior to, I mean, the, your, your 20 years in corporate, um, what was your angle? What, what, what sort of, st what area of, I mean, corporate's obviously very broad, uh, but what, what, what areas were your expertise lined with? Right, so I worked my way for 10 years through Credit Suisse and 10 years through Deutsche Bank, uh, focusing primarily on technology, but by the end of that time, I was up on the operating committee of the bank itself. So we were really looking there at, how technology was going to transform the bank, how we were going to um, basically improve the operations, improve reliability, uh, and, and just get costs down through the bank. Uh, and it got to a stage where, for me personally, it was becoming very formulaic. It was all about cost cutting and reducing people. And that's not really the sort of stuff that gets me out of bed every morning. So I decided to step out and do some other things. Well, look, we talked about this pre-interview. And we really talked about, uh, I mean, look, we're both in businesses that when it requires a lot of time, we, we, we kind of have to do that. And you know, we also touched on the fact that everyone wants to be an entrepreneur these days. When it comes to the rubber hitting the road, it's not quite as sexy as what all the success stories seem. And failure is a big part of it. And we all make mistakes. And I'm not suggesting, I mean, I'll, I'll put my hand up and say, we've made a bunch of mistakes throughout our business. And that's part of the learning phase. But you talked to me before about, you worked a very, very long weekend. Now, a man in your position, you've got more hair than me. All right, let's be honest. Not much. You've got a couple more years on me too. And yeah. you've had a fairly successful career. So what is driving you to stop going and doing your wine tours and focus now, again, what is essentially a startup business in UCOT? What is the drive that you have for UCOT? So... What's always got me out of bed every morning is to be able to use technology to solve real problems. I love technology, but I love it when it's applied. And that's one of the big opportunities at UCOT. This is a chance to actually take some technology, some, some existing technology and some new technology, and put them together into a system 
that addresses a problem that's plagued mankind for years and actually make a real difference to it, to really shift the dial. Now, for the tech head inside me, yeah, there's some really good stuff in there that's a lot of fun to play with. But from a business point of view, we're solving problems that just haven't been able to be solved before. We've got uh, an application in the pharmaceutical area and each of the pharmaceutical companies we've spoken to has said they want to be the first to implement it because this solves a problem they haven't been able to address for years. It's really making a difference. And that's the sort of stuff that gets me out of bed. All right. We know what the drive is. We know what the past is. Tell us what UCOT is. <laughs> so UCOT, uh, in a nutshell, it's a providence tracking system. What's that? It's a system whereby you can say whatever I received actually is the thing that I was supposed to be receiving. More than that, not only is it the thing you were supposed to be receiving, but it's the thing you were supposed to be receiving in the right quality. So if you're receiving wine, yes, we tell you that it's the genuine bottle of wine, but we also tell you that it's been shipped to you in a way that means the wine is still of the quality the manufacturer wanted you to get. And when you look at pharmaceuticals, the problems they've been having is they can only tell that quality after they've delivered it to you and all the paperwork's been followed up on. And by then with pharmaceuticals, it's too late. We can tell them that every 10 minutes and within 10 seconds of probes, we can update them on how things are actually going. So literally when a driver pulls into a driveway, he can scan the item and say, yes, this is the genuine thing. Yes, this is the person who was supposed to get it. And it's still in good quality and give it to them. And if it's been overheated in the truck on the way, not deliver it. Right? That real time response, they just haven't been able to do before. So who are the benefactors? So we thought at first when we did this, that we would have to go out and speak to all of the supply chain people, all the people who ran trucks and warehouses, and they'd be the people who'd benefit. When we actually built the system and started looking at how it worked, we realized, no, they don't play a role at all, actually. This is about the manufacturer and the consumer. The manufacturer would normally drop something in a truck and hope it got to you in good quality. His reputation would be on the hook, and if it didn't, he's the one who suffers the damage. What happens now is he can put it in whatever sort of transport he likes. And just before it gets to the other end, he can review the quality and say to you, either say to the courier, don't deliver it, or say to you when you receive it, yes, this represents the quality of the item I want you to have, or no, I'm sorry, it's been damaged. I know it's been damaged. We'll make amends. All right. That changes it. Suddenly you don't care how it got there. You just care about the quality of it. But in fact, at the point the user says, I'm going to scan this with my phone, is it the genuine article? You don't just have a yes, no conversation. You can have a real conversation about Tell me the history of this thing. Tell me why I should care about it. It's a wonderful marketing opportunity, particularly in the sales environment. So the provenance side really changes it. And I think the manufacturers get a better relationship with the client. The clients get a better experience dealing with the manufacturer and the product they bought. So, I mean, look, I'm sort of thinking laterally here as to um, how, how, I mean, every, every, every business needs to be giving a benefit, whether it be a cost saving yep. uh, to the consumer whoever they consume, your consumer may be the wholesaler, but eventually it gets to the dinner plate as an example, or the, or the, yeah, or the, the table where you're popping your, your cork on the wine. So with this effectively big data play, you're able to track the quality from point A to point B. Yep. So naturally that makes the freight company, uh, I suppose, somewhat responsible for the delivery of the goods because right now you've got the uh, producer yep. and the consumer and mm -hmm. how far that distance is it needs to travel whether it be from Sydney to Wollongong or from Sydney to Japan right now it leaves here 
and this person says it's good and then this person says it got here and it wasn't good there's something that broke down in the middle now these two relationships the the the, the end user and the producer is now somewhat strained but it wasn't either of those two that caused the issue it was in the middle how are you able to track that process to make sure that this relationship is not strained you find it the cause of the issue absolutely so the way we do that is with a number of different technologies and which one you deploy exactly depends upon the problem you're facing but at the very top of it all we use intelligent iot devices and the key with those is when it comes to counterfeiting and copying they're almost impossible to counterfeit or copy because they're active devices that are if you will they're thinking the whole time and talking back to our servers so if you try to play with one before you've opened the box it tells us that you're opening the box how often are they submitting data sorry um so again that depends on your problem okay. at the moment we have some of them running for 10 minutes um we have oh, another wow. customer who wants them just once a day all right uh we also have some that generate on interrupt so if you open the box that event causes them to report regardless of whether they're asleep or not uh so it's it's very adaptable from that point of view and they can measure a whole range of things depending upon the quality of what you're trying to uh, look at so we can do temperature, humidity, radiation, ultraviolet, you name it. We can plug in all sorts of things. The idea being that whatever's important to your quality of your product, that's what we set them up to monitor on their way through your system. In terms of hard benefits that you touched on a minute ago, we started again looking at the logistics and thought, well, the hard benefit's going to be simple. That's going to be around making your logistics a little bit easier, being able to track things in real time and reducing the costs of monitoring that, and therefore actually helping you improve the process. But as it's moved on, what we found is there's actually an even bigger benefit in that whole individual marketing. Because we look at the individual items going through, not the box or the pallet, but the individual items, and we track them by unique serial numbers. So each bottle of wine, each carton of ice cream, each tin of baby powder has a unique ID. We can start to say, hey, hang on a minute. We know who to consume it, when they opened it, where they opened it, and what it was they opened. Wow. And we can start to tell you, was that one you actually sent into China or is that one you sent to another country that has magically ended up in China, for example? So there's your grey marketing. For things like batch recalls, you don't have to do a batch. If it was transport in the middle that actually destroyed a couple of tins, rather than saying, well, for safety, I have to recall the entire batch, we can recall just the tins that were affected by the transport. That shipment. Pardon? That, that specific shipment. That specific ship. One container instead of 100. <clears throat> exactly. Down to individual items. And in fact, even if it's in the consumer's home, by rescanning the tags, they can find out which tins they've got need to be recalled, even if they're halfway through them. But that information in their home of how many times they scanned, where they were, who they are, that's where the big data really comes into play. What we want to know is that we've given them the genuine product. Yeah. That's when the fun begins. Then you start with all of the deep analysis of... How did they get it? And what are they doing with it? That's marketing gold. Of course. Right. <clears throat> it makes sense, right? It makes sense for the producer. It mm -hmm. makes sense for the consumer and, you know, the, the, the person selling before the consumer as there's a feedback loop. And it also makes sense for the freight. Okay. And the rig. I mean, it makes sense on many, many levels. So, the next thing that needs to make sense is how does UCOP monetize this? So short term, uh, we're just charging fee for service. Long term, what we're going to be doing is using our token, the UCT, so that as the machines report in automatically, they pay on the spot with token. 
Okay. Well, what that means is we don't need to go and add up and issue an invoice later on and spend our life chasing bad debtors. That's not what we're about. We're not going out to a bank all the time and being taken to the hills for um, payment fees on microtransactions. The end user, uh, in this case, the manufacturer, sorry, not the consumer of the item, but the consumer of our service, goes out, buys a bunch of tokens, loads them up into the IoT devices, asks they report data back to us. They're paying actually with those tokens. And at the end of the month, we can accumulate them and take them back into the community and reuse them. So very low interaction with the banks, but immediate payment. Okay, so as a business, that's the income, well, that's the revenue stream for UCOT. Now, for people that, um, like, for, a, I know it's a dangerous word, but for somebody that supports the project and wants to buy the token, why would they hold it and what is their incentive and what's the benefit? Uh, it's the usual problem, scarcity. Uh, as the number of tokens in demand goes up, as people need to buy them to prepay to uh, use the IoT devices, and in fact, to actually access the service as well, um, the tokens will become more scarce, their worth will go up. Now, we don't want to see them go ridiculously through the roof. There's got to be a balance there between usability but uh, absolutely, scarcity comes in, they will go up. We have a concept of gas. So as they pay us, a portion of the token that's been paid is destroyed and what remains is returned. So there is, um, there is, I suppose, a decreasing number of tokens in the pool. Now, why, why, why token? Like, I mean, the blockchain's there. You can yep. use the blockchain. What, yep. why, what benefit does a token uh, have to be linked to the business? Right. So... Uh, we actually have our own blockchain, which is designed for the IoT storage. It okay. doesn't have the double spend problem. It's our own solution for that. Why did we want to use it? Because we've got machines talking to machines, machines that we own, accepting data from machines that customers are using, and we wanted to automate the payment of that. And as I said earlier, we can count them and we can issue invoices monthly, but then we become chasing debtors, and that's not where we want to be as a business. Or we can take those little payments out, and I'm talking there about a micropayment every 10 minutes. Now, if you've got first steps in the delivery chain, every time the, the data that goes back via radio, okay. we charge them a small amount. Right. Now, there are 20 million containers out there just at a container level. Right? Think about the number of cartons they contain, the number of pallets they contain. Yeah. You're talking about millions of devices, potentially all reporting every 10 minutes to an hour to a day. It's a lot of transactions every day. Right? To add that up and issue invoices, very painful, very expensive for us as a business. To do micropayments with the banks, forget it. Mm. Uh, first problem is they charge your fortune. And second problem is you'd actually swamp most of the transactional banks in Australia. They just couldn't handle yeah. that volume. They couldn't handle it, yeah. So we can move that over onto a crypto payment system and all those problems just disappear. There are no invoices because they're paid on the spot uh, and there is no micropayments because it's just happening. Okay. Um, and I'm assuming that the income of the business is through the token so you're not i mean obviously you need to pay for your staff your manufacturing all, all the bits that go with it now some of the issues that we've seen around different projects is that that's the idea but in the background they're going no you come on let's do a 500 grand deal usd and we'll do 100,000 in the token um, and that's a lot of people have lost a lot of faith uh, in the tokenomics and the, and the token devised world and the, the sense of a utility token. Now, I, I want you to speak to this. 
because many projects in your position have, whether they're like, because of some bad apples, and look, we are still a very emerging space, and there are plenty of bad apples out there. Let's not forget the madness of the, the ICO run at the back end of 2017, where yeah. a lot of these projects have just disappeared. And that's an education process right in itself. But if you, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, if you're getting paid from the token, do you have any metrics in place where it can't like it can't go to a certain point where you cap it for, for your user? Like if someone's going to put in $2 million for X amount of you know, data over however long it is months or whatever, if, if that token then drops, do you have some sort of mechanism to make sure that you're not screwed as well? Therefore protecting the investors or how, how do you work around that? Yeah, we have mechanisms there because we can control how much is being consumed. So effectively, how much gas is being consumed each time. Uh, and we can use that to help balance the cost out to keep it within a trading range. Right. Uh, we don't want to get screwed. We don't want the consumer screwed. It's got to be attractive to them. We really want the tokens to be working for the payment because then the payment automatically relates to the actual transfer of data. And a consumer, or again, a manufacturer, our consumer of our services, can say, I want to turn it down from 10 minutes to once an hour and reduce their costs immediately because they're only paying when the data comes in. So they can set the reporting frequency and that controls their costs. So they okay. can tune their business. And that's very powerful for us. We don't have to know they're doing that. They can just do that. What I like about it so far is, um, you know, <clears throat> here you have a, a business person that's using the technology as opposed to an opportunist who sees the potential of the technology, but doesn't have the business background. Yeah, so that's a, that's a pretty, a pretty powerful thing there. You know, it, it, it's really, really, really important. Um, it, is, it is absolutely. The, the, I mean, the way we want to use the tokens, if you want, it's machine to machine and you can think of it as cash for machines. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. I've always felt when you put people in the token loop, yeah, okay, that's good and you can use them, but it really shines when you're talking machine to machine. And that's the difference is, yes, getting it off the ground, our initial customers, yeah, it's a cash basis while we're getting it all sorted out. But as we move to the token model, it becomes easy. Machines, dealing with machines via, if you will, electronic cash, um, which is what it is, yeah. uh, it just simplifies the problem for us. And so our incentive to use it isn't because tokens are sexy or tokens are trendy or let's be part of the economy. It's because for us, it actually improves our efficiencies and removes overheads from the business. Lovely to hear. Now, look, clients... Talk to me about who you got and who you're following and what's going on. Oh, well. Rather hit the uh, road. So we've got a few trials running at the moment. Uh, literally, the sensor technology that we use, uh, has only been running for a couple of months now in production. We've had the NFC-based one. Um, we're currently shipping, we ship beef into China. Uh, we're shipping uh, healthcare goods around. Uh, there is a large manufacturer of soft drinks that everybody knows very well, particularly you at the moment. Uh, who's running a trial, you can take a sip and show them, uh, who's uh, running a trial at the moment that's been very successful. Uh, and then every pharmaceutical company we've spoken to in Australia is very keen on actually getting our product through the door. Uh, when we were dealing with the soft drink manufacturer, um, uh, the first day they tried our product in New South Wales, they put it into a refrigerated truck. And the guys with the truck said, oh, you don't need to worry, refrigerated trucks, of course, they always stay cold, there's not a problem. Loaded it up, the guy drove away, stopped, had his lunch for an hour, and we reported the to off. him at the time. He turned the fridge off. We reported to them that because it was such a small load, it immediately went out of um, uh, the temperature range they want to keep it in, and stayed there for about an hour, which for them is a moderate breach, they call it. 
that undermined their assumption that trucks were always safe. We were showed within less than 24 hours of it being deployed that their assumptions wow. about what's good and what's bad were wrong. Data, data, data. Don't make assumptions. Put the sensors in and actually measure it. So as a result, they've changed the way they're going to instrument their fleet. Now, they looked at that and they absolutely loved it because that was giving them hard facts on what was happening. And they could turn around and change their processes to make sure it was fixed. Right. You can't argue with data. You can't argue with the data. Um, so now they were having recalls of product because it didn't taste right. And that was the only answer they could get. And they just couldn't track back to why didn't this taste right? Well, now we can start to point at the trucks and go, well, hang on a minute, your assumptions were wrong. Maybe that's the reason. So now we're following each individual item through from beginning to end. We can start to then work backwards and say, this item was bad. What happened to it all in its life? Yeah. Where did it spend in the warehouse? Where did it spend in the truck? Where did it come from? And hopefully start to figure out why they're getting that bad um, reports. Finding solutions where there was never seen as being a problem is helping business to be more efficient, more cost effective and hold people accountable based on fact, not on Absolutely. theory. Because if it comes down to theory, you can do whatever you want. You can take them to court, but it's my word against yours. When you've got data, you win. You've got data, you win. Now, listen, obviously, um, there's a lot going on with what you're doing. You've got some massive trials going on. You're still feeling you as far as rolling it out. Uh, I'm very interested in what's going on. I mean, look, you know, if I'm interested, and I know that the people that are watching and listening are interested too. So where do we find more about this, John? How do we find out more information to look into this, mate? Right, the best place is to go to www.ucot.world. Go to that website, you'll find out all about it. Uh, there's contact details on there for myself and the team here. Uh, feel free to contact us any way you want, but take a look at the website. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Mr. John Baird, CEO of UCOT. Thank you so much for your time today. I've, I've actually, um, I've really enjoyed the conversation more so because, as I said, I, I, I don't go into all the detail of the tech and my, my listeners hopefully appreciate that. We talk about the business side of things and how it's actually coming together and, and how the application actually works. Now you have a business. It, it, let's make no mistake. This is not a token looking for a business. This is no. a business that looked at what was going on here. And from 20 years in the traditional corporate world went, wow, this actually makes a lot of sense for solving a problem that, uh, you know, manufacturers, and you know the wholesalers didn't know existed now you've brought it to their attention and it sounds like you've been inundated so i'm really interested to watch what you guys do i wish you all the best of luck and um ladies and gentlemen make sure you get across to ucot ucot dot world and uh, have a look through everything there mr john baird ceo of ucot thank you so much for your time today i really do appreciate it thank you very much ladies and gentlemen have a fantastic day bye for now the Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast is hosted by Craig Cobb. All Trader Cobb courses, products, and tools can be found at tradercobb.com because experience matters. This show is proudly sponsored by coinspot.com.au with the largest range of cryptocurrencies anywhere in the Australian market. With an updated verification process, you can now be verified using only your driver's license or passport within seconds. You can instantly deposit funds and instantly start buying and selling your favorite cryptocurrencies in under five minutes. Coinspot are giving away $10 worth of free Bitcoin for each verified user once they make their first deposit. Just go to coinspot.com.au forward slash BTC123.
Views are of the advertiser, not Trader Cobb, or the audio presenter.